So understand really your vote is your superpower and it's imperative that you go out and vote in, in March and in November and there are no excuses why you cannot. Howdy, you're listening to the Think Process Podcast. We host conversations with locals, politicians, and policy experts to help families thrive in Brazos County, Texas. So when you're thinking about how to make your community better, just remember, think local, think Brazos. Um, this is Dee Howard Mullins. Uh, she is joining us from Huntsville today. Well, we're not at Huntsville. We're in Bryan <laughs> College Station, but you get the point. Um, but thank you so much for coming on this podcast to talk to us about your candidacy for um, District 12 of the State House of Representatives. Thank you, Welcome. Charles, and thank you, Mario, for being here and inviting me. And uh, yes, House District 12. And that includes Walker County, mm -hmm. Madison County, Robertson County, Grimes County, Washington County, and a small part of Brazos County. A lot of counties. I, a lot of <laughs> county. The interesting thing about these counties is that, you know, they're a little bit rural mm -hmm. or a lot rural and a little bit city. So a little bit country, a little bit city. But they are made up of hardworking people. And I decided that this district needed a candidate who would serve the district, who would serve the people of the district, who was honest, who has a history of integrity and serving her community. And I thought, why not? This is a great opportunity. Yeah, and let's talk about a little bit more about your service to Huntsville, which has been your hometown your whole life for a number of years? A number of years, born, raised, Huntsville, okay. Huntsville High School, go Hornets, went to Sam Houston, go Bearcats, <laughs> and uh, um, criminal justice major there. Okay. And I left Huntsville to go off into the world to work, and uh, first job was as a juvenile parole officer okay. in Galveston. And um, I could, I mean, we could do a 30 minute on my history in the criminal justice, but from there I worked at the Harris County Juvenile Probation Department. Okay. And from there I went to work for the federal courts as a federal probation officer in Houston, in Austin, and then in San Antonio. Wow. In San Antonio, um, it was our headquarters for the Western District of Texas. I did, I was a training coordinator. I did some HR functions and I retired from the federal court after 20 years of service. But then you went on to uh, do city council, <laughs> I think. I did. Well, I'm still in San Antonio. I have a husband and a son and uh, my husband passed away in December 2014. My son graduated from high school uh, in Lytle, go Lytle Pirates. And uh, May, yeah, I put in the plugs. Yeah, there we go. You never know who's watching. <laughs> in uh, May of 2017, and by then my father had passed. And I, I promised my sister, 
who and everybody's still in Huntsville, that I would come back and help her take care of mom. So in 2017, we moved back. I see. And uh, my son was not happy. He spent the summer <laughs> depressed and unhappy that he left his friends in Lido, Texas. But he's gotten over it. And I never anticipated that I would stay in Huntsville. Mm. Those were not my plans. But you make plans and God laughs. Wherever I live, I try to give back. Mm -hmm. So I began to volunteer. And I was on the Arts Commission with the city and realized that it was a big election coming up. And there were several seats that were open okay. and I filed the very last day and I won. And this was for city council? The city okay. council and it was an at-large position. Wow. So people, I was counting that people, uh, I was counting on name recognition. People knew my dad, my mom, they worked in the school system. My father was a teacher, coach, principal. And once Huntsville integrated, he went over to the high school and was assistant principal there. So I was hoping name recognition and that a lot of the friends that I went to school were still in Huntsville and would support me. So I did win. I had two opponents. And uh, that's a two-year term, and I ran again in 2020. Um, and so after two terms, it was, um, I felt I needed to do something else. Okay. And so um, I took a breather. Okay. Okay. And so now here we are, you're running for state office. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about uh, some of the issues facing Texas and your thoughts on them. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones uh, that I've tried to ask all of the candidates for your race is the just crazy growth that okay. we are seeing in rural as well as in urban um, centers throughout Texas. Um, Something like for for the last number of years, it, it changes, but largely it's, it's about 800 to even over 1,000 people every single day are moving yes, to Texas. Yes. And we see it. We see it all around. We see it. Um, mm -hmm. Is that a good or a bad thing or a both things? It's a, it's a mixed bag. Why is it's, that? It's, you know, on city council, we were able, well, that was a constant issue, developers. Mm-hmm. Mm and they come in, they buy up large pieces of land and they want to build homes, which is good. Uh, my concern was the environment. Mm -hmm. My concern was, who are you building for? Mm -hmm. My concern was the sustainability of what you're building. Yeah. How is it gonna impact your neighbors, the neighborhood, Huntsville as a whole? People move to Huntsville or College Station or mm -hmm. wherever, and this is pre-migration Texas. Okay. People are in Huntsville, College Station, Bryan, for a certain reason. It's small, it's a college town, it's got a down-home feel. So, 
Initially, I wanted to just close the gates and say, mm. no, we're keeping Huntsville the way it is. We don't need it anymore. But that really is not a progressive, open-minded perspective because people bring opportunities. They bring businesses. Right. They bring growth. The key is to manage the growth. Mm. The key is, will your infrastructure support it? Do you have the drainage? Do you have the water? Sure. Do you have the sewer? Do you have enough inspectors to go out and check? And that should be the citizens should ask, can we support this? Does the city, the county, whatever the municipality is, do you have the workforce to manage this growth? Sure. And if you don't, it's going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. If your water system is not up to par, it's going to be a mess. And so um, it also requires smaller communities to do some real strategic plans. Where do you want the, the new growth to be? Um, which side of town? Which side of the county? And how will the county, the city benefit by having this community? Sure. Will it address affordable housing? Will it employ 20, 30 people? Uh, what benefit will it bring to your city? And with your... Um position you're hoping to seek here coming up in are you you're in a primary right now again you have an opponent right no okay just making sure it's i was hoping we talked to everybody no, I mean, uh, so you probably are going to win this one in March. i'm hoping uh, i'm hoping but i still need yeah i don't have an opponent uh but i do have an opponent mm -hmm. because um march 5th i still need everybody to come out and vote. Sure. Yes, I'm on the Democratic ticket. Yes, there are other candidates on that ticket that need your uh, support and your vote. So come out March 5th, but vote early and just get it over with. And then I need my supporters to come back in November and vote for me. Right. Um, so, uh, again, yeah. what was your question? Yeah, so I wanted to, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, sure. Um, I wanted to ask, you, you made some really good points that were a little more on the local level, what local governments mm -hmm. have to face. And I think you're, you're spot on with a lot of that. Um, what I wanted to ask, though, is what do you think, you're seeking this new role at state level. Mm -hmm. What do you feel, in your opinion, is mm -hmm. the role of the state in mm -hmm. assisting governments mm -hmm. uh, throughout the state to to manage that growth. To manage it. There are resources there? at the state level, yes. Okay. I mean, affordable housing is one of my core issues. Okay. Um, housing and urban, urban development mm -hmm. at the state level. Yes. They have grants. They have funds. Send those to the community. You know, start at the state level to say, you know, we want our communities to have affordable housing. We will help you get these grants, whether it's state or federal monies. Let's have a community that can house the vets that are homeless, yeah. people that are homeless, the working poor. Um, let's be creative. 
And so send those resources to the community and workshop with them and show them this is what's been done in other communities. See if it works in your community. Got it. Uh, now, going on from there with a few minutes that we have left, uh, I wanted to ask you more broadly about your platform. Mm-hmm. So we've touched on affordable housing. It sounds like you'd be a pretty strong proponent for some of the programs that already mm-hmm. are existing mm-hmm. out there at the state level. That's great. We like to mm-hmm. hear that. Um, but beyond that, what would you say your platform consists of? Do you have any other planks? In that? <laughs> any other planks? I probably have too many to mention. Okay. But because this district has such a rural population, mm-hmm. a lot of issues are not just rural, but citywide, district-wide access to internet, high-speed internet. Farmers are upgrading their equipment, and most of that equipment is Bluetooth. And they need high-speed internet, okay? If you're able to put high-speed internet in the rural areas, it opens up opportunities. People can work online. What's that? Jobs. Mm -hmm. People can access their doctors, health care. Okay, so there are there is money coming from the federal government. Mid-South is a perfect example. Not sure where they got their funding. They installed high speed Internet in some of the rural areas. It people can get cable, get decent television, and it just opens up a whole new world for people in rural areas. And so. I want to see that access broadened for this district. I want to see individuals who maybe want to go to college, but they don't have the money to say go to A&M or mm-hmm. San Houston. You can go to college online. It's true. And jobs. There's so many remote jobs. It's so many opportunities. And so opportunities, jobs, increased knowledge, community network and healthcare access. We saw healthcare facilities in rural areas close down. Yeah. Now everyone, a 90 year old woman may not be willing to go online, but at a community center where you have someone who can access that for her and with her, mm-hmm. she can talk to her doctor and they can help her. So my platform is really empowering our communities. Okay, okay. And you mentioned uh, briefly about the Bluetooth and the farmers. <laughs> Another big area, as you well know, in your uh, district, and actually my district too, um, is the um, agriculture. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is mm-hmm. a big part of the whole district. And yes. in my view at least, um, it's it's an incredibly important one because the towns and cities like um, where Texas A&M is at, College Station, mm-hmm. um, they got to get their food from somewhere. And e- so exactly. it's like, where do you, you know, there are some, some politicians that are like, don't really think too much about the ag side. There are other ones that only think about it. Yes. And uh, where do you kind of stand on that? Because food security is important. Food security is so important. And... Why not teach our communities how to grow 
community gardens. But for our big industrial farmers mm -hmm. here in this district, why would we not support them? Make sure they have everything they need. They feed us. Right. They feed us. And it is a, most of them are family businesses. Sometimes they have someone who's going to take over the family farm. Sometimes they don't. We need to train another generation of farmers yeah. that know, who love the earth, who want to be part of the earth, who want to feed the, their community. Yeah. And so we need to ensure that there are rules, laws, regulations that protect them, okay. protect their li livelihood, and we need to make allowances or provide special provisions to create another generation of farmers. Yeah. What are the incentives? I know it may not look romantic, it may not look sexy to be a farmer, but I spent my summers where other folks were going on vacation. My mother's relatives had a garden mm -hmm. and <laughs> Me and my siblings, we laughed because we would we would hide from the sun under this old pine tree, and for entertainment we would swing on the limb. And but we spent our summers, you know, pulling corn, yeah. pulling beans, pulling greens, and uh, and so my father, my parents had a farm, and we raised cattle. Okay. Uh, and uh, when I was over in Grimes County, I talked to them about my dad coming to the auction with his cattle, his calves that he's raised and yeah. now he's going to sell. So um, I may wear red lipstick, but I'm a little bit country, okay? <laughs> or a lot big country, but our agricultural areas have got to be yeah. supported. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask you about, again, just getting at your platform and, and that kind of thing, I wanted to actually go a little bit more into your background. Were you, um, I know you work as a journalist, right? Is that correct? <laughs> I hope I'm not saying I, anything no, I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Because I laugh because it's so totally unlikely. Never in a million years would I have uh, thought that that was going to be an avenue. Yeah. The um, former city secretary for the city of Huntsville, when I was on city council and she left and went to uh, Lano, Texas mm -hmm. uh, to be the city secretary there. And then she came back and she had years of uh, newspaper experience mm -hmm. from where she lived up in North Texas and they had an opening for an editor there at Huntsville, okay. Idaho. And so she started in August of 2022 and we remained friends and one day after lunch she she said, why don't you come work for me? And I'm like, you've got to be <laughs> kidding. Uh, she said, no, no, no. Come, I'll train you, I'll okay. teach you. I said, are you sure? <laughs> yes. And so in November 2022, I went to work for the oh, okay. item as a reporter. And I was used to writing court reports for the judges. That was from a criminal justice 
background, mm -hmm. pre-sentence reports, okay? Mm -hmm. So, or for juveniles, reports, their history, recommendations, their backgrounds. Uh, and then with federal court, it became a little bit more extensive. Um, but that, that was okay. my background. So she had to teach me the AP style mm -hmm. of writing and I fought against it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need to abbreviate that. No, you don't need a comma here. And I think about six months, I kind of got in the okay. groove. And she just opened the door and would let me cover whatever. And um, and <laughs> then, I, I don't know, I it was not my intent to do this commentary, but I was so mad about a project that the city of Huntsville started okay. when I was there. And it was the construction of a new MLK facility. Okay. Um, the previous one had been there 50 years. Uh, it was well taken care of. No one had tagged it. It was loved in the community. It was used, it was the most book facility in the city. Oh, wow. So there was um, conversations before I was elected in 2018 that the city would upgrade that facility. And so we began meeting with, you know, engineers and this and that. And when I left, I assumed that the building, the structure, the design was X. Okay. It was not. Okay. And then, and so I basically, you know, I just left feeling, okay, we're going to get a large building on the original footprint and a second building, which will be classroom mm -hmm. learning kind of situations. They had agreed there's a basketball pavilion that's been neglected, mm -hmm. that they would resurface it, paint it. And I just assumed they would upgrade the outdoor bathroom. You know, you got a two or $3 million facility right. right over here. None of that happened. And only one building was built. Mm. And I, I just, the <laughs> only constructive way was to write it. And so I started a commentary that I'm so mad I could spit. <laughs> and just kind of putting all those details in it. And in trying to empower people that you need to know and understand and hold accountable the people you vote and put in office. Okay. And I would hope that my constituents would do the same for me. Mm -hmm. So I have two or three, I'm so mad, commentaries out there. You're welcome to Google them. You'll find them <laughs> under D. Howard Mullins with the Huntsville item. But, uh, that was a wonderful journey. I met so many new people. But once I filed, mm -hmm. um, the corporate policy was that it's a possible conflict. I see. But the editor has agreed to let me do kind of freelance work. So when That's I great. have time, I'll submit an article. Okay. 
Well, with the last uh, two minutes or so that we have with our time, what have we missed? What do you want to talk about regarding you, your campaign, anything? Well, uh, two, two or three things. Number one, I want people to be accountable and vote. I want people to understand their vote is their power, is their superpower. I want people to know that voting means whether your vote will get paid. Voting means who's going to be your sheriff. So when your son or my son is arrested, you feel like you have a say in how that person is treated. I want people to understand their vote is who will be on their city council. So understand really your vote is your superpower and it's imperative that you go out and vote in in March and in November and there are no excuses why you cannot. Very good. That's great. Uh, we're going to have to take a clip of that. <laughs> but we really appreciate you coming and, and sitting this, down with us thank today. Thank you. And uh, again, this has been D. Howard Mullen, Mullins. And well, I don't know why that last name. People, people do the same thing. They kind of roll it. Yeah. So if you don't remember Mullins, M-U-L-L-I-N-S, remember D. Howard. D. Howard. Well, thank you so much, Dee, for coming and uh, speaking to us today. Again, this is a Think Bradless podcast, um, and have a good day. Thank you. The Think Brazos podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. Our mission is a community where everyone can afford a home they're proud of. Habitat is a 501c3 charitable organization, so we do not make political endorsements. If you'd like to support our work in the community, you can make a tax-deductible donation online at habitatbcs.org. The Think Brasses podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and on our website at thinkbrasses.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch videos of our conversations. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think brasses. Think brasses.